0: All right, team, uh, welcome to this week's midweek mini episode. Uh, I'm having to record on my phone uh, because when I got back from my wedding, my computer broke. <laughs> so uh, my computer is in the shop getting repaired, some problems with the display. Uh, anyway, what uh, what I wanted to do on this week's midweek mini episode was just recap the last week and a half. So as many of you already know, uh, I decided to drive my father-in-law from New Jersey all the way to Whistler, BC, which is outside of Vancouver, to be at my wedding. And I'm not too sure. Maybe maybe everybody doesn't know the story. So just to quickly recap, my father-in-law does not fly. So he, he basically... Um, has, you know, has a fear of flying. He's very claustrophobic. He's 81 years old and he doesn't he doesn't want to get on a plane. And he just decided he doesn't want to get on a plane anymore. He's only flown twice, I think, in his life and both of which were in his earlier years. And, you know, no matter what Vienna and I did, we couldn't uh, convince him to get on a plane. Initially, when leading up to the wedding, Joe, his name is Joe, uh, he basically said, you know what, I give you my blessing, go get married in Whistler. I'm just not going to be there. And that wasn't acceptable to me. You know, one of the questions that I asked him was, if you weren't at your only daughter's wedding, at your only child's wedding, would you, if you were laying on your deathbed, regret that decision? Would you regret not being there for her wedding? And his answer was yes. And I said, okay, well then, you know, we need to find a way to get you there. And he said, well, I don't want to, like, I really don't want to fly. It's not something that I am going to do. And I said, okay, well, there, there's other options, right? Like we could put you on a train. We could, we could drive you there. Like there's many options. And I said, why don't, why don't we look into those? And what we came to the, you know, what he decided on was that he wanted to drive cross country with me. You know, I looked at this as just a a great and a beautiful opportunity. Here's an 81, year old, very wise man uh, who has raised a phenomenal daughter. And it's a chance for me to to kind of dig in and get to know him better, get to know my father-in-law better, uh, better understand my, my soon, well, now my wife, because uh, we are officially married. But to really go through that whole process was quite incredible. So today, I just wanted to recap quickly. I'm going to be releasing some of the trip because basically what I did was over the course of five days, because it was 3,200 miles from New Jersey to Whistler. So it took about four and a half days. Um, and over the four and a half days, I I did a few interviews with him and um, not a ton, but probably about an hour's worth. And so I'm going to be releasing some of that interview for everyone to listen to because it's not very often that a... Uh, you know, a son-in-law gets to sit down with a father-in-law and have an in-depth conversation about his life. And so what I really wanted to do was to interview him and understand his childhood, his upbringing, and, you know, how he raised Vienna, what it was like to be, um, you know, to grow up in the 40s and the 50s. So he's seen a lot of life, right? Like he grew up in an era where there was no TV, there was no computer. Whites and blacks used different doors to go into the library, to go into schools. There was segregation in schools. African American kids couldn't go to the same school as Caucasians. And so, and not only on top of that, Joe grew up, well, he was born in New York, but he grew up in Lynchburg, Virginia. And for the Americans that listen to my podcast, we all know what Lynchburg, Virginia is known for. And we all know what that area was like back in the 30s, 40s and 50s. And so Joe shared a little bit of his experience during that time. And it was really interesting because Joe's family is they are actually immigrants. And his parents, uh, they were born in Lebanon and migrated from Lebanon to the United States before he was born. But it was really interesting because he kind of knew that they, you know, they're not considered white, right? They're not considered um, Caucasian, and so he grew up with this identity of knowing that he didn't quite fit in in that space. He didn't quite fit in with you know the the kids that he that he went to school with, and there was you know some bullying and whatnot. But but it, he kind of shares his experience growing up as a kid. And what was surprising to me was that his father, his dad actually was a person who took a stand for equality across races. And he shares a lot of his journey and a lot of his stories, which was just incredible. But I wanted to share one thing with you right after I recap the journey. So I'm going to recap the journey and then I'm going to share one of my biggest takeaways uh, from interviewing Joe. Joe and I left on Saturday morning, uh, March 30th at 5 o'clock in the morning. And it was our mission to drive about 900 miles that day. And we did. We made it from New York all the way out to Madison. And so we drove about 900 miles the first day. And I, once we got outside of Chicago, if, for those of you who are following along on, on Instagram, you will have noticed that we started to have some tire issues. So we were driving Joe's brand new, you know, 2018 um, vehicle. And it started to have some issues where the light went off on the front right tire and said, hey, like there's there's a problem. And the front right tire is losing air. And initially, I just thought, oh, you know, maybe it was just low. And so we stopped at a gas station in Chicago. We put some air in it. We get outside of Chicago after I filled it up with air. And and about an hour and a half later, the warning goes off again. And so the front right tire is still low on air. So anyway, so we we stop in Madison. I put air in it. The next morning, wake up. The front right tire is low on air again, and we end up we end up stopping for air frequently throughout the day on Sunday, the thirty first. Just putting air in the tire, probably every hour and a half or so. So I think that there's you know a slow leak in the valve or something like that. And it's not really a big deal. He's got run flats on, so it's it's going to be safe. So we keep going, and we are about halfway through the day. We're, we're Actually, we're right towards the end of the day and we are stopping for air. We're in like the middle of nowhere, by the way. We took Highway 90, it's the interstate, I-90. And on I-90, you go through Wisconsin, uh, you go through Idaho, you go through Montana, um, you go through South Dakota, and you go through basically Central America where it's all farming land. And so we're, you know, we're in Minnesota and like, let me tell you, there is absolutely nothing there. Like there is nothing. As far as you can see, there's just farmer's fields and then a whole bunch of like, you know, wind farms that are using renewable energy, using wind energy to basically create power. Fun fact, uh, Minnesota is... Uh, is powered by 20% renewable energy. And most of that energy comes from wind. Uh, Yes, I looked it up while I was driving. (laughs) But there you go. But it was so incredible to see middle America because you get a different sense. You know, like I live in New York. Uh, I lived before in Vancouver. And you you just have a very different sense when you're out in the middle of nowhere. And like at the very uh, close to the end of the day, we pulled off we were going to spend the night in Rapid City, South Dakota, which we did on the second day. Um, but we pulled off onto like this tiny, we, we went off this on this off-ramp to put air in the tire. And it showed that there was a town. I can't remember the name of the town, but it just said, you know, town one mile. And So I said, okay, we'll stop at that gas station, shows that it has a gas station. And so we, I, I turn off on this off-ramp and we get into this quote-unquote town. And literally, I kid you not. This town consists of, wait for it, a biker bar. There's a biker bar there, which there's no motorcycles outside of, because <laughs> you know it's the end of March. And then on the left-hand side of this road, there is this old, like old gas station that was probably built in like you know the 1940s. And there's no, uh, there's no concrete, there's no cement there anymore, and there's grass sort of growing all throughout. Uh, the station is, like, completely run down. The The pumps are, like, rusted out. And it's this scene out of, like, The Walking Dead or something. You know, it's just, like, crazy. And then right on the other side of the street from this abandoned gas station is the, quote, unquote, new gas station. And it's a scene out of a movie as well because we pull into the gas station and there's this dog sitting there sleeping. And he won't even move. Like I pull the car up and the dog is sleeping, by the way, right in front of the air pump. Like <laughs> it's this old, like golden, he's not a golden retriever. It's like a golden lab or something like that. And he's kind of like a Heinz, you know, 57. He's a bit of a mutt. And he's sleeping there in front of the air pump. And I pull the car up and he doesn't move. So I have to stop short and I get out. And then he kind of, you know, wakes up and looks at me like, what are you doing? And, and then gets a little interested. But there is nothing else in this town. If you look down the road from the gas station, there's like three or four houses. And that's the whole thing. That is the whole town, which I don't think even constitutes as a town, but that's okay. Uh, so we put air in the tire and we get back out on the highway and we drive to the next, the next town because we have to put you know air again in the tire about an hour later. And this is probably our last stop before South Dakota before Rapid City, South Dakota. And I pull into the next gas station about an hour later to put air in the tire and notice as I get it out of the car that the left front tire now has a huge tear in the sidewall, probably like a five or six inch gash. And the side of the sidewall is completely ripped open. And thankfully, they're run flat tires because otherwise we would have blown out a tire before. But it was a little freaky because the speed limit on the I-90 is 80 miles an hour. So I've been doing like 85 miles an hour for the last hour (laughs) and with a a tire with a torn open sidewall. Uh, So that was interesting. So anyway, I put air in the front right tire. We make it into Rapid City. We spend the night there. The next morning, we wake up. We get both front tires replaced. Uh, we head out, we go to Mount Rushmore, got some great photos of Mount Rushmore, got to go see that. Um, that was interesting as a Canadian, just to kind of see that, you know, that that monument was very interesting. There's people from all over the world visiting there. And we get back in the car and we get about 30 minutes away from Mount Rushmore and the freaking alarm, the light goes off again, indicating that the front right tire is below air, it's below 32 pounds of pressure and it's leaking air again. So we had to double back and get all the way back to Rapid City they, where they find out that what they missed was that the front right rim was cracked. And that's why it had been le- leaking air. And so they ended up, thankfully, welding the rim so that we could make it all the way to Vancouver where it ended up getting replaced. So the whole point of me telling you all of those details, that, you know, that, that sort of story, is that in life things are often not going to go the way that we want, the way that we expect. There really are no perfect journeys. Maybe we have these perfect journeys on paper where, you know, no sort of hiccups go wrong. Like our actual wedding, nothing went wrong. It was it was absolutely perfect. It was amazing. Like literally we couldn't have asked it to go any better. And There's this lead up to the wedding, right? Where I'm driving her father-in-law across the country. And there's all, you know, all this sort of like (laughs) the tire saga as I, as I hashtagged it on Instagram. But the interesting thing is that these are the moments that we remember. And what I noticed as I told this story to family, to friends, you know, as people were asking about the tire journey, I was getting two very different reactions one of the reactions was, "That's so much fun! What a great memory! So glad that you're safe and okay! And that sounds like such a great journey! It sounds amazing that you got to interview your father-in-law, and it sounds like you had a blast, which I did." And the other reaction was like, "Oh my gosh! Like that sounds horrible and so terrible! And like I can't believe that you had to go through that! I can't believe that you had to go through driving your father-in-law before the wedding!" and da 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 da. And, you know, the funny thing is that I chose to do that, right? Like there's no shame or guilt or regret or remorse or like victimhood in there because I chose to do that. I was so grateful that I got to do that. It was an an honor and a privilege. But what it made me realize is that when life gives you lemons, right? Like, you know, the saying, everybody says it, when life gives you lemon, make lemonade, which I actually hate the saying. I think it's, I hate cliche sayings. But what it made me realize is that there really are, people in this world, we oftentimes have two types of reactions to that. On the one reaction, we see it as the eternal optimist. We see it as something that we can learn from, that we can grow from, that we can be better because of, that we can just have fun with anyway, because it's just happening, right? Like, there's nothing I could do about the tire. There's nothing that I could do about the cracked rim. Those things were just happening. And so rather than get super frustrated and angry and saying, you know, this is ruining our trip and da 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 I was like, okay, this is just what's happening. So, what can we do anyway? You know, so Joe and I while we were waiting for the tire to get fixed, I found a cool cafe in Rapid City and we went there and they had this like really they had this old school Volkswagen bus sitting inside the cafe and I did like a photo shoot with Joe inside of this old school Volkswagen bus that's sitting inside of this cafe, you know, and we had we had a great meal and hung out. And so it was a reminder for me That shit's going to happen, right? Life's not going to stop for you. Life's not going to stop creating chaos. Uh, Chaos is not going to stop happening just because we want it to, right? That's not the way that it works. The way that it works is that the unknown is always going to happen, right? Life is going to continue to be unknown. And how we face that unknown either makes our life beautiful or it makes it miserable, because the people who face the unknown as this fear-based, horrible experience that's only going to bring us destruction and death and hardship and loss and grief and all of these things, that's what they get. And they actually see all of these circumstances through the lens of hardship and through the lens of victimhood and through the lens of pain and suffering. Or we can look at it through the lens of this is just okay, right? This is just okay. It just is. And I'm going to make the best out of it anyway. And, you know, maybe it's unfortunate that these things are happening, but, you know, I'm going to make the best out of it anyway. And it will be a part of my journey. It'll be a part of my adventure. And when we adopt that mentality in our relationship, it fundamentally starts to change. When we adopt that mentality in our intimacy, in our sexual relationship in our business in our entrepreneurship in our parenting when we adopt that mentality in all parts of our lives and some of some of the parts it's harder to do than others because of our past and our conditioning and our you know wounding or our trauma but when we adopt those mentalities it actually forces us to grow and expand and this is what makes This is what makes really successful people allow themselves to enjoy the journey, right? Whether you are, and and by the way, I'm not measuring success here based on money. I'm measuring success based on your ability to actually be with the journey that you're on, to actually enjoy all of the flat tires of life, all of the cracked rims of life, all of the things that don't go right, right? The breakups and the hardships and you know, the, the, the mishaps with health when things go wrong in, in health or in our finances to actually roll with it and learn from it. Those are the beautiful things that expand us as human beings. So I wanted to leave you with that because it was such a clear reminder to me that your life and my life and everyone's life, it, it, it's not going to stop. It's not going to stop throwing curveballs and hardships at us. It's, it's not going to do that. It's how we face those curveballs and those hardships, right? You either get better at reading that a curveball is coming so that you can knock it out of the freaking park, or you continue to complain that you don't have the skills or the abilities to hit a curveball, you, or you continue to complain that the game is rigged against you, right? And those are the mentalities, right? This is Carol Dweck's work in mindset, fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. And we can see all of these challenges and all of these obstacles as an opportunity to shift from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful experience. So that's what I got for you this week. Thank you so much for tuning into the midweek mini episode and stay tuned because I will have all of the interview being released here in the next month or two from my road trip with my wife's father. Thanks very much. Don't forget to leave a rating and review. Share us with just one person. Manit Ford goes a long way to getting us into the ears and on the phones of other people. And until next week, this is Connor Beaton signing off.